Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Today's message is I want to get this premise of really what causes some people to misunderstand. And it's a very simple premise. There are some times in your life where you hear something, and the bottom line is you don't like it, you don't want it, and you simply going to reject it. Whether it's true or not true does not matter to you. You're immediately going to hear it, and because you don't like it or because you don't want it, you reject it, and you may even twist it. Today, I'm going to show you a very, very powerful scripture that Jesus speaks, and it's a speaking of a, of a one simple concept, and the whole verse is a verse of inclusion of how you can have a relationship with Jesus. But as soon as I read this, there's a lot of people that go, yep, yep, that's the verse. that He's excluding people. See, he's telling some people that it's not, remember, God's for everyone. God is for you. And he did not come to condemn but to save. And I want you to know that today we're going to look at a verse that a lot of people, it's a struggle. Confessions of the not so rich and famous. There are some things in God's word that for me, it's not a struggle. I just don't like it. Like, I love everybody. Like, if it was up to me, I'd be like, you know what? Everybody's good. Like, do what you want to do. And at the end of the day, I want to spend eternity with you. Just come on. And then sometimes God's word, which is the truth, tells me that that's not really the way it works. And honestly, I, I don't like it. But whether I like or don't like something has not made it true. Whether I prefer or don't prefer something, it does not make it right or wrong. But the reality is I have to learn to understand what God's Word's saying so I don't misunderstand His teaching and make Him to sound like something that He's not. Because again, He loves you and wants you. He loves everybody and wants everybody. And He did not come to condemn but to save. That's John Chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, for those that are wondering. It is our choices that has put us on this aspect of being condemned. It was our choices that got us banished from the garden. It is our choices that allowed God to take the form of himself in a baby named Jesus and down on a cross. It was through our decisions, not God's. Because when he created everything, he made it perfect so that he could dwell with you forever. But then he comes across this one particular saying, and it's crazy to me how some people will get it a little bit sideways. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, John chapter 14, to really grasp this one simple saying that Jesus said. But I want to set it up. I've been, I've been trying to give you a little bit of the, the history of what was going on. Here's something that will really help you out. If you remember a couple of weeks back, I said if you read the Gospels, don't ever read the Gospels like they're just simply chronological order. Like, it's not like, hey, well, verse 14 happened, and then verse 15 happened, and then verse 16 and 17, and then verse 20. Like, it's written in, this, in this, these events, like every gospel has the same timeline, the birth, and then you have the baptism, then you have the temptation, then you have his ministry, then you have his passion, then you have his crucifixion, then you have him raising from the dead on the third day, which is Easter. But they go a little bit different. And in fact, John is one that will really throw you off. Because in John chapter 14, most of Jesus' teachings, when he talks about I am the I am, you know, I am the 
the way, I am the door, I am the shepherd. A lot of those things took place at the supper, the last supper before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we're going to be there today. And so let me tell you what's going on. Let's just take a moment and let's read John chapter 14. We're going to start in the first few verses, only a few verses today, but I'm going to give you a little bit of synopsis here. It starts with, let not your hearts be troubled. Well, we didn't get very far, and we're going to have to hit a pause button, right? Because <laughs> when we study God's word, there's some things that happen that we got to say, okay, well, whoa, hang on, why am I heart troubled? You know, let not my heart be troubled. Well, I don't have a problem with that, but my question is, why is my heart troubled? I didn't know my heart was troubled. Did you know your heart was troubled? Why am I troubled? Why are they troubled? What's going on? Why is Jesus talking to the disciples and saying, hey, guys, let not your heart be troubled? Obviously, something has happened, and all of them are going, hmm, I don't know about this. Well, let me tell you what's been going on. He is at the end of what would be this Passover moment that we call the Last Supper. But in these last few days, he is starting what they call his, his final discord. He is letting the disciples know what has been going on, what his ministry was like. They've been together for roughly about three years, and now he's on this final discord where he's gonna let them know, hey, just so you'll know, something's coming. And before he gets to this, let not your heart be troubled, he has had this triumphant entry we call it Palm Sunday. Yes, Jesus came in. They were, he was riding on a donkey. He's going to this room that they've already set aside to prepare to observe the Passover. They're laying palm leaves down on the ground. They are screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And all these things are taking place. And what they don't know is that in just a few days, from Sunday to Friday, they're going to go from shouting his name saying, Woohoo, you the man, glory to God on the highest, to crucify him. He enters, and everybody thinks that this major guy is going to come in and give them back what they've always wanted. It's the theme of the Old Testament. What? Give us our land. Get rid of these people that are holding us captive. We're not going to be enslaved anymore. You're going to do something amazing. You're going to be the king. And by the end of it, he is the true king, but it's not about giving them land. It's about giving them something bigger. It's breaking down the sacrificial system that was the Levitical book and saying, I will be the final lamb. And no longer do you have to go to God through somebody, but through Jesus Christ, you can have a personal relationship with him. I will give you something so much greater than this promised land. I will give you the original intent of your life in the garden to dwell with God and God dwell with you. And he's trying to get them to understand this. But he enters and all this stuff is going on, and he goes to this room, and in this room, he washes the disciples' feet, and then he prepares this, this aspect of this last supper, and he eats the last supper with them, and he identifies this new covenant that he's going to give to all of them, which is to love one another as I have loved you, for by this they will know that I have taught you, or you, they will know that you keep my commandments. And he also identifies this one scoundrel called Judas that he says, go and do whatever you need to do. And, you know, and at this time, Peter speaks up and he's like, well, I will never betray you. I will go wherever you, and he starts telling them at the end of chapter 13, what I'm, where I'm going, you can't go. And they're like, and he's talking about these children, unless you have faith like a child. And they're like, well, I'm gonna go with you. And Peter speaks up and goes, I will go wherever you go. And he looked at him and he says, before the crow cries three times, you will have denied me. 
three times. And so all of a sudden, all of this is taking place. And all of a sudden, these people who have left everything and have put their faith in Jesus and followed him, and they're watching all these things, all of a sudden they're going, okay, this ain't good. Like, I left everything. Like, I'm sure like the fishermen guys were like, hey, look, dude, like I ain't got a boat. I ain't got a net. Remember when we dropped our nets and followed him? Like, I didn't tell anybody, hey, I'm coming back for that. It's been three years. Like, I gave up everything. All I've known is following him and putting my faith in him and starting to understand who this rabbi teacher was. And now he's telling me that where he's going, I can't go. Well, what am I supposed to do? All I've ever done for the last three years is followed him. He told me that in order to be a disciple of him, I must deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. And that's what I'm doing. And now you're telling me I can't follow him? What are we going to do? And so because of that, there was this heaviness that had fallen on the room. Because they're all going, what are we going to do? What is he talking about? What is this concept of, of building the temple and death and like what's going on that's why at the beginning of chapter 14 those simple little words that says do not let your heart be troubled that's why they're there so now that you know why they're there can we keep studying God's word it says let not your heart be troubled then he gives them the solution believe in God believe also in me it is so amazing to me how many times in Jesus' speaking we get so misunderstood about what he's saying, but the reality is it all goes back to the same thing. What do you believe? Who do you believe Jesus is? How does that affect your life? Can we talk about truth for a minute? That's a lot of our issues. See, truth is not something that we take and we go, okay, well, well that's kind of cool and I kind of believe it, so now I'm going to kind of change that truth a little bit so it fits my life so I can keep doing whatever I want to do. What he's saying is, is that what do you believe? Because what you believe, you shouldn't change what you believe. What you should do is allow what you believe to change you. Like you shouldn't try to change truth. What you should do is allow truth to change you. And so he's letting them know, hey guys, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Now here's what's cool. The final discord. He says, believe in me. He's starting to let them know that you're believing in the same person. I am the Son of God. He's starting to let them know that it's this amazing trinity that, that we really don't know how to explain. You know, we've had people tell us it's like an egg. Some people say it's like a candle. Some people, I'm like, I, you know what it sounds like? It sounds a whole lot like, like it's like the trinity. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, there's these three individual parts if they're the same part and and it's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's like, wow, how does this work? And he's letting them know in this moment, your belief in God is awesome. And by believing in God, you need to also believe in me. And then he gives them something that they just don't understand. We have the privilege of being on this side of the timeline. So we look back to some of these people and we're like, and these guys, are like, they, how did you not know that? But you have to understand what they were going through. And all they know is the Old Testament law. And even though they've been watching these amazing things take place, their understanding is limited. But listen to what he says. 
Believe in God, believe also in me. Then verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. See, he's trying to help them with this unbelievable anxiety that's welling up in them because they're going, why is he telling us in the end of chapter 13 that we can't go with him? Like, I'm going to go wherever he wants to go. That's what I've done for three years. And now you say I can't go. And he's going, wait a minute, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you're going to have to let me do this. But just know that though I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and get you where you can follow me again and, and come to this place. And he's actually speaking of what? Heaven. He's setting up this amazing relationship that he's got to do something, a.k.a. his death for our sins, his resurrection on the third day to give us forgiveness so that through him we can now dwell with him forever again. It's the garden, but it's forever. And he's letting them know that this is what, and, and here's what's cool. He says, and you know the way. And old Thomas, but let me tell you what he does. So Jesus says, hey, man, you know the way. And there's Thomas. I, I would love to, this guy had to be an analytical person. He's one of these guys like, like I'm very like. Whoosh. And so what does he say? He speaks up and it's great. It's the very next verse, verse five. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not where you know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now that seems like the most simple little reply. Like that seems like, like me, like somebody says, hey, do you want to go eat it? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, I've never been there. How do you, oh, you know the way. Well, actually, no, I don't. I've, I've never been there. Well, but you, you've been there. You just don't realize you've been there. That's called needing directions. Because if I've been there but didn't realize I was there, then I probably don't know how to get back there. That's kind of where Thomas is living. Jesus said, you know the way. And Thomas goes, uh, excuse me, sir. <laughs> Lord? Like, that's kind of the polite way of like, hey, I'm fixing to say something kind of silly, but, you know, hey, you're still Lord. We don't know the way. How are we supposed to know the way? Like, we're we still trying to figure out. Like, you're telling us we can't follow you. So if I can't follow you, how am I going to know the way? Rabbit trail, real quick. One of the things I love about Thomas in this question is if you don't know where you're going, then you better make sure you rely on somebody that does. And so back on task with what's going on here, all this is going on, and, and Thomas is going, dude, we don't know where to go. We don't even know where we are. Like, I mean, I know where I am. And I'm, you know, we haven't left this 200-mile radius that's where you did all of your ministry for these three years. But, I mean, like, dude, I, I left everything. And then Jesus replied with probably one of the most quoted scriptures other than John 3, 16. And listen to what he says. You'll see it on the screen. It's John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And what he was doing was he was answering Thomas's question. Can I tell you what he wasn't doing? He was not telling a bunch of people that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's your own fault and you're going to hell. 
He wasn't trying to limit and make it hard for people to have a relationship with God. He wasn't excluding people. He actually was simplifying the whole concept. In fact, what we would call these if we were going on a trip was this was real good directions. Thomas wanted to know, how do we get to this place? This place that you talk about, the, the place where you're going to prepare all these rooms, where you're going to dwell with it. Like, I want to know how to get there. Like, a minute ago, remember a minute ago when I said, said I kind of sometimes I may not like something because I'm like, I want everybody to come. Do you realize that if just any way would work, how difficult that would be? Have you ever been somewhere that has multiple ways to get there? Like, you ever been on a date with somebody that you love, and you both have, like, three ways that you could get there? And you're like, well, which way do you want to take? Like, that's fun, isn't it? Well, I don't know which way you want to take. Well, I'd, I'd rather take the long way and go through the mountains and go to the back road. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather just get there and take the interstate. Well, okay, well, why'd you ask? Now, that's never happened in my amazing relationship. I'm just speaking because some of you guys have told me that's happened in your life. And then even on the interstate, you're still trying to work. Well, you know, we could take this exit, and we wouldn't go quite as far, but we still could go this back road because I'd like to, you know, kind of see the leaves turning. Yeah, yeah, let's just get there. Okay, that's what I was thinking. And that's what God was doing. He was saying, listen, can I make this simpler? Rather than you trying to figure out, how am I going to get into this relationship with God? Can I just simplify it? I, Jesus, am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody is going to come to the Father except through me. And you know, when we read that in 2022, there's a whole group of people that say, ah, that's a message of exclusion. And it's not. It's actually an amazing message of inclusion. It's the simplest way for you to have a personal relationship with Yahweh God himself. He has simplified it so much. He has honed it in. He's given you the exact aspect and directions of how you could spend eternity with him. But it's amazing how we misunderstand that, don't we? We misunderstand that. Why? Because we've got a friend that, well, what if, what if, they, what if they don't believe that? Like, I don't want my friend to go to hell. Well, guess what? God doesn't want him to go to hell either. Well, I don't want my friend to, to be lost. Well, God doesn't want your friend to be lost either. In fact, he's done everything he can on his part to make it so simple that they wouldn't have to be. But that doesn't mean that he changes what truth is. But in our society, we have such a misunderstanding when it comes to relationship with Jesus, don't we? Why? Because we don't like it. Sometimes we don't want it. And sometimes we just reject it. Yeah, I love the fact that that Jesus literally says, I am the way, letting them know, hey, man, I, I get it. You want directions? I'm the way. In 2022, you know what he's still saying? No matter what you want to get to in your life, I promise if you want to get there, I, I'm the way. You say, well, Mickey, I hadn't seen Jesus lately walking around or I would follow him. Oh, but you have. 
In fact, I, I would even tell you that, that for majority of the people in this room, all of you but one, I'll let you figure out which one, you could follow them. But I'd also tell you that God's giving you an amazing word for you to be in his word and to study his word. He's giving you an amazing ability to pray. That's why we're going to pray on Good Friday. It's not praying to be like, oh, Jesus died. So No, we, we know the end of the story. We're praying, celebrating. And I encourage you to be there. We're going to have our team there. They're going to do some worship. It's 30 minutes. If you want to have a great date night, come to the walk, prayer walk, and then leave and go eat and see if it's not one of the most amazing Friday nights you've ever had. Why? Because you're prioritizing the way. But he also said, but I'm the truth. In other words, you know what? You ain't got to worry about what everybody else says. When you're seeking perfect sense and you find it, you seek no other sense. When you're seeking the truth and you find the truth, you know what? You quit asking those questions because now you know what the truth is. You know what my kids don't ask me anymore? Hey, Dad, what's two plus two? Why? Because they already know the truth. And it applies to everything in their life. And then he makes this comment. He says, you're the light. He says, through Jesus, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and I'm the life. We're going to talk more about that next week. I'm just going to hit a pause button. Not that we're going to go back to this message, but next week for Resurrection Sunday. I like calling it Resurrection Sunday because that, then I, you, you know exactly what it is, right? What's resur- it's the day we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. Yes, we, a lot of people call it Easter, and I don't have a problem with that, but I just, I'm like, it's Resurrection Sunday, and we're going to celebrate. And I want to invite you to be a part of it. Why? Because we're going to really explain what it means to have life and to have life more abundantly. But all of this is set up because of these questions. And here's what really hit me. Here was the epiphany for me this week. Because I started thinking about communion. And I've been thinking about communion here and and us participating in communion together. And I was like, how how do we make sure that we don't forget this, this amazing truth, that we don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying? And it hit me. That's why he gave them communion. In fact, at the end of participating in communion, which he had just done that. Like if you were to look at this timeline and compare the synoptic gospels, like when he's talking about he is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me, He's just participated with them in communion. He has implemented this last supper element into the Passover meal. Judas has spoken up and has left the building. And it's caused this trouble because they're like, well, where's he going? What's up with that? And he tells Peter something he's going to do. He's like, I'm not going. Yes, you are. And he's like, okay, don't, don't let your heart be troubled. I'll give you a reminder. I'll give you a reminder that every time you do this, you do this in remembrance of me, and it will remind you of why I came, and it will also remind you of how I'm the way. You say, well, what was that reminder? Well, if you want to open up this very top part, I'll tell you, and we'll partake of this together. The first little part, you should be able to pull back. It's just simple plastic. And it says that in Scripture, he says that at the Passover, he implemented this new concept in which he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to them. And then listen to what he said. He said, this is my body that is broken for you. And he's letting them know, again, he's telling them what's coming. Like right then they're going, what? Did you, did you trip? Did you break something? What you? He's telling them what's coming. He's telling them what's about to take place. 
Though he never had a bone in his body broken, he allowed his whole body to be broken for their sake. And he says, and take this and eat. And they did. And then he took a cup. Now, I don't have time to explain this, but I am so intrigued with Jewish custom. Because we grow up in, like, westernized thinking, and we think, like, there's just one little, like, you know, like, God, like, oh, here's a little silver cup with jewels around the top. Like, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know. We're like, oh, yeah, I've seen that movie. I know what that cup looks like. That's not what the cup looked like. It normally would have been four cups. A part of Passover was celebrating four cups. There was a cup of redemption, a cup of deliverance, a cup of praise. I mean, there, there's, there's four amazing cups there. And he took one of the cups, and he blessed it, and he told them this, and he gives them symbolism. Just like the bread was his body, he's foretelling of what's coming. He said, and this cup represents my blood. You say, what's the significance? They were living in a sacrificial system. The only way they had redemption in their life was through sacrifice. You can read Leviticus. You can also read when he restores God's people, all right, in Ezekiel, how he reinstitutes the sacrificial system. And that they would come with different things as a sacrifice to the temple, whether it be a blood sacrifice or a grain sacrifice, and they would get forgiveness for their sin. And what he's letting them know is, hey, bro, you ain't going to do that anymore because I'm, I'm going to pour out my blood. And so he blessed it, and he said, this is my blood. Take ye, drink all of it. And then he says this amazing concept that we just speed through in his word. And he says, and as often as you eat of this bread or drink of this wine, do this in remembrance of me. You know what he's saying? Hey, remember, I'm the way. You say, why are you the way? Because I'm the only one that died for you. Remember, I'm the truth. Why are you the truth? Because I'm the only one that didn't have to speak up. See, truth has a way of fighting for itself. You'll always know who's telling the truth because they ain't got to say nothing. He said, I'm the life. You say, how do you know he's the life? Because he's the one that's still living today. And he gives them this unbelievable concept in saying, do this as often as you can. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember why you're doing this. You're not doing this because... Oh, that's really cool, man. I, I can't wait till I'm baptized so I can drink that juice and eat that bread like they do. I mean, that's cool. No. He says, I want you to do it because it, isn't it amazing how a little bit of grape juice and a little piece of wafer can take on a whole different meaning in your life? And let me tell you something else. If you think a wafer... And a little cup of grape juice can take on a two different meaning, in your, a true meaning in your life. Let me tell you what Jesus can do when you give him your time, talent, and treasure. When all of a sudden he becomes king of kings and Lord, Lord of your life, all of a sudden you, you go through a day and you're like, man, it's been a good day. All of a sudden you start leveraging different things in your life and it just takes on a totally different meaning. Like, if he can do this with Mr. Welcher's grape juice, imagine what he could do with your life if you'd say, Lord, I, I, here, why, you're, you're so much better than me. Will you, will you put meaning to this? 
Will, will, you, will you take what people use on a regular basis and, and partake on a regular basis? Like wine and bread was just as much a part of the dinner table as sweet tea and biscuits in the South. But all of a sudden, no longer could they eat bread and drink wine and not think about, man, could you imagine the dinner table, how many times they got a little bit of vino and they got a little bit of bread because that was custom, and how they were, oh, man, do you, you remember just the other day when Jesus was telling us about, hey, let's do that again. Like, I know, I mean, this is some, this is some good lamb. I, I really appreciate what you did, Martha. That's a good piece. Of, but do you mind if we just, like, I can't get past the fact of what Jesus was teaching us. He wants us to, to take this bread and remember him. He wants us to drink this wine and remember him. Like, I can't get past it. And I cannot imagine how many times they sat at a dinner table, a lunch table, or where, and all of a sudden when they saw bread and they served wine, all of a sudden it was, it was no longer about bread or wine. Now he's like, this is body, this is blood, this is Jesus. And because they were constantly dwelling on it, you know what they stopped dwelling on? All the naysayers and all the misunderstandings. They weren't arguing about whether this was inclusive or exclusive. They weren't arguing, well, is this really the only way? I mean, are you sure there's not more ways than one? I mean, there could be multiple ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I read a book the other day that talked about how he's just one of many prophets. I mean, no, they said he's the way. You don't have to miss it. He's the way. Well, do you, do you really think God at the, at the end of this, I mean, do you really think God's going to cast people to hell, Pastor? No. No, God's for them. He's for everyone. He didn't come to condemn but to save. And so God's doing everything on his part to bring you into a right relationship with him. God's not going to cast anybody into hell, but God will be just, and he will allow you to make a choice where you can cast yourself to hell. That without a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you have made a choice. Not God. God did not make that choice for you. You have made a choice. He, what? He gave so that whosoever would believe. But if you choose not to believe, he's not casting. He's not up there going, will you just get out of here? He's not doing that. I can imagine with this just emotion that he's like, oh, I just wish they'd have listened. But now they'll know. For the rest of eternity, they'll know that the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that he's God. But you don't have to live in that misunderstanding of inclusion or exclusion. Today, I pray you leave here and you can stand firm and you can hold your head up. Now, listen, don't be a middle finger evangelist guy. Don't go down to the cornerstone where they get, your, you know, get your different bullhorn and all your different posters and telling everybody they're going to die and go to hell. Love people well. The new commandment that he gave us that we would love one another. But today will you leave here loving people enough to tell them the truth. Well, I would like to have a relationship with God, but man, I just don't know where I'm at and I don't know how to get there. Oh man, John chapter 14 Verse 6 gave you the most simplest directions. I can tell you the way. 
Jesus is the way. He's the truth and he's the life. And through him, you can have all three of those in yours. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.